Hey everybody, you're about to tune into another episode of the How It's All podcast, and I wanted to take some time out to say thank you for tuning in and showing your support by listening to the How It's All podcast. I hope you all enjoy the episode you're about to listen to. Please subscribe to the How It's All podcast to stay updated with new episodes as well. Thank you all for listening and tuning in, and please continue to do great things. Welcome everybody to the How Talk Podcast. This is Jetpack Nick, and I'm here with a very, very, very special guest, my homegirl Lou. Say what's up to the people. What's up, people? How's it going? We are out here. Yeah, we are. We are. How you doing today? I'm doing great, you know, just another day. You got to be grateful for every day you have on earth. So I'm just grateful I woke up today and I could do what I needed to do. Um, and um, just, you know, enjoy another wonderful day. How about yourself? Uh, I've been good. I've been good. Just, you know, just relaxing, trying to prepare for this, uh, you know, just stay updated on what's going on in the world. I mean, you know, for the people who who either not in the places where natural disasters have happened, mm. they might they might not know. But, yeah, you know, the northeast, Louisiana, a couple yeah. other places have been hit very, very hard. You know, so shouts out to, to everybody. You know, I hope that you all stay safe. I want to send a prayer out to, to everyone, you know, to ensure safety and health. You know, so. We definitely got started off with that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Had to had, had to uh, get in touch with some people, uh, make sure some some folks were okay. Um, I do my almost my whole family is up and down the East Coast, so we we did some checking in with folks. You know, my grandma was good this morning, thank God. Um, but it looks like Jersey got got really hit. So yeah, just it was, it was a tornado in Jersey. Like yeah. I never would have thought I'd see anything like that. People in Jersey, they're definitely gonna do a documentary about that. It's watch, like couple of months i swear but just praying everybody can you know get get to where they need to you know this climate change thing is not a joke so yeah not at all know. yeah no but we could talk about that all day but oh. this, this is about you though so <laughs> so you know for, for the people can you let them know what you do what you're about who you are Absolutely. So I am a multi-creator for Fiber and Stage, creating vulnerable innovations in the name of liberation. So I speak that through my performance of sound, word, and movement, and I show that through my fiber arts, mainly through uh, embroidery and and crochet, um, mixing that with found objects to create really cool uh, accessories and uh, hanging art. Um, And um, I am, yeah, I am a non-binary Black artist, um, and and I am 29. Um, so for my astrology-minded folks, yes, the Saturn return does suck. Um, but we are getting through it with lots of grace and lots of fabulosity. Um, <laughs> and um, I'm originally from the East Coast, but I kind of like to say I'm not really from anywhere um, at this point in time. Um, just because I've lived so many places. I just recently moved back from 10 years uh, in the Midwest. Um, just wanting to be home. Um, and the East Coast... I at minimum, I can at least say is home. So we've lived in D.C., uh, we've lived in Connecticut, uh, we've lived in New York, uh, in in three different boroughs. Um, wow. <laughs> you know, my brother is in Nashville. Uh, my other brother just moved out to California. Um, you know, so it is a little bit all all over the place. Um, but I do I do very much love the East Coast, and, and that's why I moved back recently. Um, yeah, I guess that's the. The elevator. Where, where is home for you? I mean, for me, home is really in bits and pieces of the five boroughs of New York. For okay. for me, I feel most at home 
in, uh, you know, libraries in Brooklyn and museums in Manhattan and parks, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, most of my favorite places, um, like top five favorite places, uh, end up being in New York City um, slash Brooklyn. Um, you know, there's pieces of home in DC. Um, I spent as a teenager one summer, um, pretty much living in the museums of DC. Um, you know, I've been to almost every free mu almost every free museum, if not all of them in DC, um, at least like three times. Right. Um, so I, home is really in, um, places where art is and places where nature is, um, uh, up and down the East coast. Okay. I mean, shit, you, you gave me the, the, the complex answer. I just wanted to know where you was born. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where I was actually born was 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 Brooklyn. So, uh, Methodist uh, uh, Presbyterian Hospital. Um, I can't remember if that's what they call it now. Um, but Pres yeah, Presbyterian Hospital in in Brooklyn, and then we lived in we lived in Queens until we moved when I was a couple a couple years older. So yeah, that's the basic. <laughs> but that's why I tell people like, well, I was born here, but like moved pretty quick and like stuff like that. We all over the place. Um, but yeah, that's why I, I was I was born technically in Brooklyn and then brought swiftly to Queens. <laughs> no, I, I got you. I definitely can relate. And I'm pretty sure a lot of the listeners can relate as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of being, kind of being all over the place. Um, but I, I, I like that. I know people and I have friends, dear, like really close friends who are like, yeah, I've never been out of my state. And I'm like, I can't right. imagine that. Like I can't, right. but I'm like, ooh. What would that be like? That's different, you know, for me. Yeah. So okay. So so like like let's actually tap into this. Cause I'm not sure if you actually have these conversations with people, but if you haven't, this is the first time and we're gonna do it live on the Hotel Podcast. So let's okay. do it, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. So so the fact that you that that you have moved a lot and that you have a lot of different pieces, you take a lot of different things from the places that you've inhabited. Do you feel like that's contributed a lot to what you do as far as your art and how you express it? Or is it like one place is more influential than the next? Like how how has those places been influential to you mm. and your art? I think that I think that everything has been. So I think I do put it into these regions. So I've spent a, a good chunk of my like late teens, or I guess mid mid to late teens. So I was in Minnesota finishing high school, like my last two years of high school, and then was there for seven years, and then did a very small snit in Charleston, Illinois. I don't recommend it. <laughs> no, I do not recommend that place um, in particular. And then did a, a four and change year stint in a uh, town called Kalamazoo, Michigan, um, which is West, West Michigan. And so I have that sort of chunk, like that sort of Midwest chunk of my life. And then I have the sort of East coast chunk of my life, which, which, you know, because of how I ended up, like, it wasn't really my choice. Um, like, or I didn't, I didn't make the choice as a young person, um, you know, freely to go finish school in the Midwest. Um, that that was kind of something that just ended up happening. Um, and and me not coming home after that is just something that ended up 
happening that I think had a lot to do with the adults around me at that time. Um, and so like not really choosing to live in the West and Midwest and feeling kind of stuck there and just always wanting to be home, um, but not really being able to, um, a lot. Um, so I really do break it up in this like Midwest chunk of my life and this like, uh, you know, home slash East coast chunk of, of my life. And I feel like, the East Coast bits are all the things that, like, made me me, like, when I really, like, figured out who I was um, as a as a very young adult, um, you know, I realized that all the things that made me me came from here, and, and the way, one of the biggest ways that I realized that was through um, the ways in which white people specifically responded to me um as a young black artist uh non-male trans queer black artist in places like minneapolis uh shout out to minneapolis shout out black table arts um shout out lane jai the crew riley kino etc what have you yeah, shout um, out to everybody shout out to everybody. Out to everybody we gotta do it um you know what i'm saying so uh in in that space right not understanding yet um, as I came of age, um, what, you know, being a black person really looks like in a, in a, in a Midwest, uh, even a Midwest city, right? Like not even just a Midwest town, um, but just a Midwest city, you know, deep in there. Um, and, and then also being out to the outer bits of Minnesota at different points in time, I think I crashed really quickly as a, as a young adult, like 19, 20 coming into identity, um, new Jim Crow, um, had come out recently. Shout out to that book. Um, you know, um, and, and I was reading that and sort of coming of age, Trayvon Martin got, got murdered, you know, rest in power. Yes. Um, all of these things happened at once. Um, and I started to realize that everything I was, was so much tied to home. Um, you know, the, the, the ways that I thought about the world, the ways that I lived, the food that I loved, like, um, the colors that inspired me, the ways that I wore my hair, the ways that I wrote, um, you know, all of it, um, came from home, um, you know, and, and, it just started to clash for me, even even in high school when I was like out in the burbs. Um, there there are some there are a couple of suburbs. I ended up finishing my senior year of high school in a place called Edina, Minnesota. And for those of you who know Edina, Minnesota, uh, it, 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 it's an interesting situation. Um, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot about my own fear of um, of uh being in spaces where rich white people controlled the space um and also like i realized very quickly without really like consciously processing like what that meant for me as like a young um you know coming from a uh working class working poor background um as somebody who you know was smart um but was not uh, you know, d- 
due to how public schools work was not really was just kind of falling through the cracks in terms of like where I was going to end up you know in terms of like life and school or college so to so I say all of that to say that I feel like in the midwest I learned a lot uh, of of con- like I feel like a lot of my consciousness work uh, happened sort of on its own there just by virtue of like the culture shock that started to happen as I as I became older and a in a person like it didn't happen so much when I was like sort of siloed right. um, you know in in high school but as I like got out into the world I was like oh these people just stare at me all the time and I don't get why um and there and and you know i'm being asked if i can you know i can teach folks you know as a as a young black person about the ghetto by like adult white people um you know i i am um looking for community um you know in these suburban white high schools that i've been bust into um you know um and and uh, I'm finding it with the other 20 kids that have been bussed into, you know, the these schools as well, who are who are very clearly singled out and who are very clearly, I would say, segregated in a sense of like, oh, those are the Minneapolis kids, yeah. and they just so happen to like all be black. Um, and in this case, um, you know, uh, Minneapolis specifically has a very high. Uh, uh, African immigrant community, so there would be a lot of Somali kids, uh, or just African immigrants in general, but definitely a lot of Somali kids, Ethiopian kids, and black kids, um, and they all hung out together, and and it was interesting to see, like, what other people, other kids in my program, you know, um, who had left home to to come go to the school thought about it, you know, and, and all of that, so I think that, like, who I am and, 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 who I naturally, you know, what I naturally exude and and all of the great things that are me really do come from all of my homes um, on the East. And I think that that has has always sort of like run into um, my experiences in in the Midwest, also pulling a lot from the black culture of the Midwest, let's, let's, you know, not get it twisted. you know the 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 black cultures of specifically um, Kalamazoo um, and uh, Minneapolis taught me a lot, and and there is connection there. Um, but just always getting that sort of like never feeling never feeling right at home, and never really fitting. You know, um, especially at the intersections of queerness and transness, um, and being an artist and right. not you know ending up on college paths and all that kind of stuff. So so it does kind of like clash into each other. And I think the East Coast is sort of like my root sort of clashing with a bigger outside world that's mixed up in the Midwest. You know, and it's, it's interesting, too, like that you said that and you I, you correct me if I'm wrong from quoting what you just said, because it was a whole lot. And I was listening yeah, yeah, to yeah. Terry, but, it, it like that. <laughs> but but like, uh, I believe you said that you you gained a lot of your consciousness from being in the Midwest. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, absolutely. So, so to me, just listening to you talk about that, and you know, in its entirety, for the most part, and naming all the places that you that you mentioned, it's interesting for me to to hear you say that because of the fact that you were in places like Brooklyn or Queens or DC, which are predominantly black areas. Which I would I would think, like you know, if somebody would get their their consciousness about you know who they are as a black person from the black places, 
but it's kind of on the flip side for you. You got the consciousness from being in predominantly white places and having uncomfortable experiences being a black woman or I'm sorry, binary or non-binary, right? Yeah, a, bl- a, a black non-binary person and in those white places. So I, I was just curious to know, like, like what was the switch between you know, being around a bunch of white people in uncomfortable positions, but gaining consciousness versus being in predominantly black places with a lot of black history and not necessarily getting the the conscious experience from those places? That's a great question. Um, that has a pretty simple answer to it. So I would say that as, uh, in terms of growing up, um, I, I pretty much just grew up on my own um, and, and it was kind of just me and my sister sort of like trading off on sort of taking care of each other due to um, the the um, situations with the adults in our lives. Um, and I'm grateful today, you know, you know, uh, at, at, at this version of myself, 29 years old, to like have um my dad and my life and my brothers and my life and my sister and my life and we we have our family um shout out to the fam um and that that is something that was not always there in fact that is something um that we all as family members um have had to untangle um and look for our family um, you know, due to like how we grew up. So we grew, so, um, my sister and I specifically grew up the longest together, like, you know, from birth, um, we were separated from our siblings and, um, our dads at different times. Um, but at at the end of the day, me and my sister were always together. Um, and so we kind of just, grew up on our own, um, and had a lot to deal with growing up. Um, you know, I mentioned we grew up, uh, pretty poor and there were like a lot of other things going on in our home that just like made it really hard to like come of age, you know, like people talk a lot about like coming of age as like a teenager or like a young person, you know, even like a preteen and like having experiences and moments and like engaging in community, especially for black kids. Right. Right. You know, at a young age, there are a lot of these conversations that we have um, around, um, you know, coming into your own awareness of yourself, um, you know, through the people around you and through the community around you, um, having, you know, uh, uh, you know, I think it's less so nowadays because of, you know, redlining and this and that, and like sort of the destruction of the black neighborhood, I would say. Um, but, but there is, there is, you know, in a, in a lot of black families of all different kinds, you know, just that sense of like, you know, um, when you got older, like helping your grandmother cook or like learning about music from your uncle or like Christmases or like you know these different these different touch points of life that we that that um everybody's supposed to have right um Mm -hmm. and for us as as kids who came up in unfortunately a toxic household um you know what can happen and what does happen a lot is you don't get those touch points and you're kind of just surviving throughout your whole childhood and so for me um you know there wasn't there wasn't a lot of um, space for self-awareness or like discovering oneself through those moments of community. There was kind of just like going to school and, you know, holding on to things that like, 
kept me surviving and that was and that was books and art and so right. when i talked when i talk about art you know people people ask me like how did you get into this and you know what made you want to go down this this particular path of artwork and it's like i, I really just hadn't didn't have any other way of surviving um in terms of like my mental space like you know i got up every day and and i read and i read and i read and i read and i lived in the library um you know i was it was reading they would tell me at like second grade that i had like an eighth grade reading level solely just because i was reading so much harry potter right. um that had now jk rowling over here but you know at that time it was it for me, you know, as, yeah. as a, as a nine-year-old, I needed to go someplace. Um, I needed to be somewhere else. And, and I do think there's a direct line from, you know, I was reading like Harry Potter. I was reading series of unfortunate events. I was reading, you know, a little bit animorphs, a little bit of goosebumps, you know, and all these things that just took you to other places. And then as I got a little bit older, that's when I discovered, um, like books like color purple like i would look yeah. at the books that my mom had around the house and that particular book and that particular movie even though it came out a little bit before i was born like the touch points that i ended up having you know i would look through books at home and it would be black women authors um you know and so i started to connect like i started to sort of connect uh you know, with black women that we had in the world at that time. And so that ended up being some more visual artists. So like, I like hung on to Faith Ringgold with everything I had. And then from there, I found Kara Walker, you know, and as I got a little bit older, I got to watch the movie, uh, the Color Purple movie. Um, and then eventually I got to Audrey Lorde as I got older. And and I, I mean, I hung on to these words and these people and, the, and these places for dear life. And there is a direct connection for me from like as a second grader reading Harry Potter to Color Purple to Audrey to um, an insanely amazing uh, podcast called Welcome to Night Vale, which um, created the space for a podcast called Alice Isn't Dead, which is a sci-fi podcast about a black a uh, lesbian woman truck driver, which if you talk to lesbians is so typical in the best way, um, um, who is looking for her wife who she thought was dead and is actually off hunting zombies um, to um, Ava DuVernay's Wrinkle in Time to N.K. Jemison's everything. You feel me? So like yes. there, there is a direct line here for me, but, but I created that. Um, so I think in terms of the question you know, where, how is it that I didn't get all of that, you know, meaty finding myselfness and coming into consciousness, um, at home is, is because there just weren't conversations. There, there wasn't, there wasn't really a home there. Um, and so I, as I, I look back, like I, I remember different times. Like I remember, you know, uh, President Obama and just like watching that on TV. Like I remember these different touch points of things that happened in life, but right. there weren't really conversations about it at home just because we didn't really talk about anything at home. I think one of the few touch points I have is in my dad. Um, um, and and there there are very there are very few specific 
pick moments that I do have, and and one of them is being in the car with my dad, um, and him, and the music that he chose to play for us in the car. And so this is true of a lot of of a lot of black kids. Like a lot of us have this memory, right, of like mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or uncle, etc. You know, when you were in the car with them, there was like a very specific set of music that was played. Um, my dad is a yeah, my dad is a longtime drummer. Um, uh, and, um, drumming goes way back in, in our family, actually. Um, my, my brother Adam, uh, plays the drum still in his church to this day, uh, I do believe, uh, at least up until a couple of years ago. And, um, my sister played drums for a good minute. Um, and then my mom's, uh, my mom's grandfather, uh, sorry, my mom's father, my grandfather is Billy Cobham, who is oh, a drummer wow. that goes all the way back. Yeah, yeah, that's all the story. But so like this, this, the, the art does run in the family. Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of the thing that we hold on to, um, you know, um, and so my dad in the car, you know, he had the same like brown car for a really long time. And he would always play like the same station um, at the same times. It would be like Tom Joyner a little bit, but like it would always be like oldies, funk, so much funk because his favorite artist on the face of the earth is James Brown to oh, the point God. that he knows... Oh, yeah, he knows James Brown catalog in and out to the point that he can also play, like he can play the catalog, you know, that like that's my dad. And so from that, you know, that's where I got a lot of like, you know, the oldies, like that's where I learned about the Supremes. That's where I learned about the Temptations. You know, that's where I learned about Diana Ross. Like that's where I learned about everybody sort of like, you know, 70s and prior. And then yeah. my mom sort of brought, you know, the the like you know end of disco you know 80s and and mm -hmm. up until up until modern so i do have like these little touch points of like music and um and books but it's all you know it's all based around the yeah. art it's all based around around books and stuff so i think like I, I like to say to people like i wasn't really a person until i was like 18 or 19 because i as as i went up to college i was just like so what do I do now? How do I feel? Like, what do I, like, I don't have anybody controlling my space or my thoughts or my movements. Like who, so who am I? You know, I had, had no chance to ask that question until I was like, off at college, I'll give, I'll give college that one thing of like, it did <laughs> at that time period, uh, give me a chance to breathe and be like, okay, yeah. I get to figure out who I am now. And so, you know, in my 18th and 19th year, sort of patching together who I was and just trying things on and trying to figure out who I was, that was like 2010, 2011. So again, we have, you know, Trayvon, uh, we have New Jim Crow coming out in this sort of language around mass incarceration starting to happen. I forget. Her name escapes me, but, um, you know, she was the, the doctor who wrote that book was building, um, among others, all this language around, you know, like slavery never stopped. They just call it the prison industrial complex now right. and me being like, holy crap. And then thinking about how does that affect me, you know, as a young black person and like never really feeling like a woman and trying to figure out what that meant for me and like, you know, all of this identity stuff, like all this stuff happened all at the same time in like the same like second semester of my first time at college. Um, and so like, 
it, it, it just kind of happened that way because it had to. And so I was, you know, I was engaging um, with feminists on campus as well. So I was gay and it was all very separated. Right. So I was engaging yeah. with black activism and going into protests and like um, started my organizing career, um, you know, on campus with um, LGBTQ uh, spaces and then like off campus in black spaces Um you know, and running into all of the the issues of that and, and the struggles of that and the just the feelings of it, you know, uh, figuring out what the feelings in the body meant when, like, people talked about, you know, um, these murders um, of black people and just not being in tune with my body enough yet to know what it meant, but knew that I was like, it was, it was exhausting me, you know, all of that had to happen at that time, because that was the first time that I was able to have the space to like, just do any self discovery. Right. I mean, shit, I, that's how I felt kind of sort of like with, with my first time going to college too. Like I definitely felt like it was a, not, not, not a culture shock per se, but more of like a, okay, now, now I got to put it all to the test now. Like all the mm-hmm. things that, all the things that the people who who I've grown up with or the people who I uh, allowed to teach me things, let's put it to the test now, see if this shit works. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and it did. And it, it worked. At least for me, it worked. You know, again, like, I'm pretty sure you've seen it because you were on the college campus and you experienced the college thing. Like, I've seen it myself. I've seen a lot of people crash and burn also because they just didn't. Not not that they didn't have the proper teachers because I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't in their households. But at least from what I could see, they, they had a lot of growing up to do. They didn't know how to maneuver in the world. And that's and, the thing. You had to figure it out. And and in a lot of ways, I did crash and burn, right? Like, I went back to college, like, three different times and just eventually was like, no. Um, (laughs) And then I found, you know, and then I moved to Philly and I was like, maybe I'll go back. Maybe we'll, like, just do a last time and maybe that'll get me through. And then I found Rec and I was like, well, and for those who don't know, Rec Philly is is an amazing um, artist artist uh it's 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 an insult to call it an artist no, yeah, we, 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 we definitely go on t- 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 yeah we're gonna touch on that you know you so like me it. <laughs> finding finding the way um you know there's different bats for, for everybody and you will crash and burn and honestly that that has a lot to do with grow with growing up and being like oh snap but it also has a lot to do with how we like structure this yeah. the the system of education in general but specifically specifically higher education so like yeah people people crashed and people would crash early um and sometimes people would crash late and you know that's that i think that's when a lot of growing up does happen when you sort of see people being like oh snap folks are kind of dropping like flies sometimes or like you know things happen or like when people i remember when when conversations we would have around money as a as a very like early 20s person when you were like I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. And I didn't realize that that needed to like, just right. when they don't tell you stuff and you're like taking out loans and you're just like, well, we just have to do this. Right. Like there's so much around that. So it definitely, definitely, uh, definitely had a similar experience seeing people around me as well. Okay. So, so let me ask you this because like, again, just revert back to what we were just talking about. The whole yeah. crash and burn thing and seeing people crash and burn. Like, I, I think that's like a, a natural part of evolution when it comes to at least at least Same. being within a within a college kind of environment. Like you're around a bunch of late teens, early twenties people who 
the one percent who actually knows what the fuck they're doing like they're they're somewhere else like they're not even like where we are the other 99 percent of us are doing what you said taking out loans we don't know we got to pay back or like doing anything but yeah at least for me i think that i was able to to get through it with being intact for the most part mentally physically emotionally spiritually and all that good shit is because I reached out to a lot of people, like professors or staff or just my, my core group of friends who, who were going through the same experiences that I was going through at the time. I think that that played a very, very, very major part in my growth and success and not only staying the course, but finishing the job also. So I wanted to ask you, like, did like, do you or did you currently have a team that allowed you to get you to that point or has has pushed you to become the artist that you are today? Mm, I know. I'm, I'm dope, right? I'm dope. I, listen, <laughs> you're with it. You're with it. You're, you're, you, you have the talent, my friend. I am there. I am there. I think for me, a team? Yeah. Is there a squad? <laughs> mm, I, 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 I would have to say no. And, and I think that part of it is, part of it is just kind of not knowing that you're, that you, you're supposed to have a team behind you, um, and, and that you're supposed to, and then, and then just like not running into the right people, right? So when I was at St. Catherine University, um, shout out St. Kate's, uh, shout outs to the Katie's, um, you know what I'm saying? I I did run into. I remember um, a lovely woman who uh, whose name I definitely don't remember. But she, if you ever hear this, she um, was our advisor for what we called Pride um, at the time because they wouldn't uh, let us have. They wouldn't let us. Uh, they wouldn't let us call it a gay straight alliance. You know, back in the day, it was always a gay straight alliance. They call it different things nowadays. Um, um, this is back, you know, 2010, 2011, um, of course. And so we called it pride and it was like people respecting different identities or something like that's what they would let us call it. Um, for those who don't know, St. Catherine university is technically a like Christian school. Um, and so there were a lot of things that we ran into being queer trans students on campus, um, being feminist students on campus. Um, and, and we had, um, a woman who like helped us get through a lot of stuff, especially as I was coming into my trans identity and 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 starting to also understand um resistance to to femme um and we go back and forth about the language but you know femme um just non-binary folks in general so a lot of the conversation you know in the queer community being like oh okay you're trans and you're afab what we call assigned female at birth so then you're definitely a trans man and i was like oh okay i guess that's what i'm doing and then just not and then just wrestling with that and being like that's not it and so i did i do remember having some of those conversations with her and like and of course, this is with a lot of white people, right? So still in this space where the queer and the black, I have yet to find a space for that to intersect at this time um, and, and continue to have that struggle, um, you know, in the in the med, in the Midwest specifically, you know, so there, there were folks here and there specifically there. There is one person during those St. Kate's years um, who I have to have to mention Pamela Fletcher, I do believe it is Dr. Pamela Fletcher, and if it wasn't then, it probably is now because she's about that life. She was the only black woman um, that I experienced 
um, on staff as a teacher who really taught me how to write. And and she and she was that teacher who like ripped you limb from, from limb and was like, you gonna do this like this, and yeah. this is how this needs to happen. I, I got, I and had get one it of together. Professors like that. Too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. She was that for me. And if and if of all the people that I ran into, she is somebody who I come back to year after year after year after year and be like, yo, remember how you were like, this is it. And she was like, it's not it. Get it together. And you just kind of did. And I think for me, as somebody who always just had to get it together, um, yeah. she made a really great impact on me. Um, and and I, because she was dealing with a lot of white privileged kids, um, you know, um, and there weren't, there weren't a lot of black kids at the school. Like, and a lot of them, again, you know, I ran into a lot of African immigrants, um, you know, either, either one generation or like first generation, um, either one generation removed or like first generation, um, you know, and, but I wasn't running into like a lot of black American people at the school. Um, and the, the, you know, again, the experience I was having outside of school was very like cishet, um, what we call a cisgender gender heterosexual black space which at the time you know i was just learning things i was just sort of coming into stuff so at the time like that did what it needed to do for me um but it, it definitely wasn't where i needed to stay um and so being in sort of all of these fractured places and running into you know dr Fle professor fletcher dr fletcher um and you know not having an experience of like comfort but having an experience of like you can do anything and therefore i expect you to um and that was the first yeah. time i had to like be like well i guess i can and i guess i have to okay um but you know in in terms of like a team around me um i, I didn't really have a mentor mentor until like a couple of years ago um, and, and I think that's because of a lot of different things, but I also think it's because I, when, when, you know, there, there is, I think in the black community, you know, a very serious, especially even more nowadays, but it's always been this thing of like, okay, you know, we're going to get you to college and we're going to like lift you up. Like there is this like lifting up that happens mm -hmm. of black children. It's like, get to college, you know, get through, um, you know, I think after a certain point there can be a drop off of like, okay, you got into college, like you're going to be fine. And it's like, actually, no, yeah, um, no. <laughs> but, but there is this sort of like lifting up that happens and, and not coming from that and just kind of like, having to go through like i definitely went through the college application process by myself um in terms of like doing applications and figuring out what you know was right to say and figuring out how to like keep my grades up and just struggling and just like you know when i wasn't in in uh my boarding school program you know getting shifted to these other schools in minnesota there just wasn't room there just wasn't room um, for much of anything except like getting through to the next thing. It's like, okay, I need to like just pass this class and I need to just get into a college. Like I just need to do something. Right. Um, desperately, like I remember desperately, I was like, I do not want to stay here in Minnesota. I do not want to be here. I want to go home. So can somebody just take me home and can we figure this out later? You know, I remember in my head as a senior just being like, huh, and just sort of, and everybody's just like, oh, you got it. 
you know, sort of a thing. And so I think coming from that sense of like, well, I guess this is what we're doing and that just being what it was for so long, you know, not really having networking skills um, as a younger person, not really knowing where to go, not really having the energy to figure out anything except like getting up and like going to class because like, I guess that's what you want, like, you know, we're supposed to do until I got, I got pretty far along in my sociology degree at that time. I I changed my major a couple of times. I had come to this sort of consciousness realizing that like there were all these white feminists. This is also when we started to talk a little bit more um, as folks our age, like, you know, you know, for me, millennial age folks, like, started talking more in black spaces about, like, bringing back black feminism and, like, what the new, ooh, excuse me, um, what the new iterations of, like, white feminism, um, you know, were in, in, in those times. And, you know, as I was creating art with folks, um, you know, I realized I was running into a lot of walls and um, a lot of, like, you know, um, un... Um, you know, unseen bias from folks of just being like, y'all don't know anything about any black person at all. Um, And it's harming me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wanted to be in women's studies, um, but I also, like, knew that I wasn't a woman and I didn't understand how I fit in this place. Like, I just fit nowhere. And so, like, I remember going to one of the advisors at one point and crying and just being like, I don't think I can do this. And then realizing in the next year, I was like, so I'm, like, going in my third year of this degree and they're all white people. Like, there's all, like, you want me to study all of these white men, and I don't understand, like, I didn't realize that that's, like, what some of the roots of sociology was. They didn't talk to a lot about W.E.B. Du Bois, you know, and other folks, like, they didn't, and even still, I just wasn't connecting to it. There were, like, no, they were all men, and almost all white, and I just came, and I just started, like, you know, as more people started to get murdered, right, because the whole, you know, Trayvon Martin got murdered, and, um, and, like, that went on for a while, and then, like, more names started to come out, like, this is, you know, 2010, 2011, you know, and a little bit earlier, um, like, the late aughts is when people started, like, touting names, you know, if you remember, and, and saying names, like, that's when, you know, Black Lives Matter, if I, if I remember correctly, like, would you, I don't remember what year it was, but it was, like, either, like, 10, maybe 12, where, like, like Black Lives Matter were starting to happen. Like, all of these things yeah. were brewing. And so, in me, I felt all of that. I feel, I felt all of that ancestral, um, uh, generational trauma that I did not understand. Um, and so, when I start, so I think I started to just get triggered in these spaces, not realizing it, but just being like, this is not it. Like, I have to get out of here. This is not it. You know? Um, so, I think that, like, I I didn't really have a chance to like find, you know, find um a team per se um just because there was there was just a lot of ebb and flow and a lot of change and and I just I just for the longest time was was almost never um where I needed to be. Um and I think I didn't really start to you know, find a tribe, if you will, I would, you know, I wouldn't say a team per se in terms of like people around you to like lift you up in sort of the professional or academic space. But like when I found my friends, um, you know, my squad of folks who I mentioned earlier, when I started to see, you know, 
people like Tish Jones, shout out to Tish Jones in Minneapolis. And, and, uh, when I started to learn about like Saul Williams and when I started to like read more poetry, when, um, I started to, you know, go back and like, listen to the roots and listen to tribe, um, and listen to Prince, um, you know, and, and, and really just go deep into the music. When I started to listen to Kanye, um, you know, and uh, and Andre 3000, when I started to listen to Queen Latifah, when I started to listen to, like, Lupe, like, pre, you know, er, that was about, um, <laughs> pre that, um, you know, whole thing, when I started to, like, listen and, lo- and, and understand how much I was meant to love music, when I, when I started to write poems and just try to get jobs as a teaching artist, when I started to go to plays, um, you know, Kino Ibal, who's in my squad, who I mentioned earlier, um, he and his brother had, um, like, one-person plays uh, when they were much younger. This was, like, maybe 2011 um, at uh, Pillsbury House Theater. Shout out Pillsbury House, uh, who gave me one of my first jobs as a teaching artist, teaching kids about hip-hop, um, you know, and, uh, and spoken word. You know, when I started to go... go to Golden Time, where all of the open mics were in those days, uh, which is a Black-owned cafe, it still still is, to my knowledge, um, you know, in, in St. Paul. Uh, when I just started to go to open mics and I started to listen to poets, um, you know, uh, when I started to hang out at Blue Nile, which, whoo, Jesus, the street harassment, but, <laughs> not but, and, um, you know, things of that nature, you know, when I started to, like, just make i started to like make friends and so i met um my two first friends uh who the first the first people who i ever met who were black queer and non-binary um lane lane and jai and that led me you know they led me to other people they like they brought me into the community and then it was like oh okay this is a thing so like did i have a team no did i find a tribe and did i kind of like find a way yes was it the po the poetry spoken word scene in Minneapolis at at that time I can't speak for today um but at that time between like you know uh 2011 uh and up until I left in 2015 oh lord the misogyny in the poems you know um you know the ways in which black men talked about women um that we now call uh hotep or ashy or whatever what have you if you will um you know no space anywhere nobody really talking about transness and the intersections nobody um you know what i'm saying but lane and jai really led me um and just said oh come come here um you know and 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 we're we're also we're also tight to this day you know we met riley later on um and riley is now an amazing work you know amazing publisher um uh, works for an amazing uh, bookstore and is in publishing and doing great work as a black person bringing black books to uh, Minneapolis St. Paul. Um, you know, Lane and Jire, an insanely amazing visual artist. You know, the places that we've gotten to in our 10 years, you know, it's wild. But like without them and with, oh God, without without Kino, who, who you know, came up as a poet and actor um, and then started uh, Black Table Arts, uh, which is that collaborative black artist that I mentioned earlier um, in Minneapolis, you know, started that 
you know, in 2015 with a table and a banner and now has a building in South Minneapolis where black folks just gather as black folks um, and has been integral to keeping organizers safe on the ground um, in the past year, specifically um, with uh, murders of George Floyd, Dante Wright, um, and, and all names that have not been named, et cetera, have you. You know what I'm saying? So, so we grew in that, but for me, it, it was... It was ha- it was just having people in my life who cared and it was having friends in my life. You know, these are the people that introduced me to B. Steadwell, who at that time was doing uh, videos of vocal loops on YouTube and doing like Robin covers. And I was like, that's who I want to be. I want to make people feel how they make me feel. You know what I'm saying? And and I just wouldn't have run into these things if it wasn't for them. Um, so, you know, now as somebody who's like, had 10 years of a fledgling and yet still career um, as an artist, you know, that's where I learned things, you know, from, you know, me and Lane and Jai living in a house that ended up condemned on the North side in Minneapolis, in Minneapolis singing and uh, raising money and starting nonprofits to care for people like us um, and make an art, you know, that's, that's what we did. You know, we've all, we've always been our own collaborative, um, you know, and, and that led me to understand what I needed in terms of like, okay, this is what friendship and love looks like. And, and that in and of itself, I think got me here. So you said all of that, and said, said you had no team, but then you just went on a 20-minute tangent explaining all of the people who helped you along the way, which sounds like a tribe and a team. Too. Yeah, when you say team, I'm like, I mean, all of these people came at different times and different, like, different different things, you know, what I guess in my head I envisioned team as, like, you know, a, a group of people that, like you know, came from, you know, it kind of, it kind of came in a hodgepodge. So like, yeah, now it's a team. I think it, I think oh, it hodgepodge should wait there. Now, now it definitely is a team for sure. Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, people who just, who just help you or, or not even help you, but shape you into being what it is that you envision yourself always becoming, or at least pushing you to the, to, to, to achieving the, the objectives that you have set for yourself, the objectives and goals. And it sounds like you named a lot of people who are pushing you to that point. So, like I said, it sounds like a tribe to me. Yeah, definitely a tribe. <laughs> definitely a tribe. I think I'm a poet, so I get caught up caught up with words. I get caught up with words. <laughs> I'm thinking words. So, yeah, certainly a tribe. And, you know, there's people that have added on to that. My, You know, my best friend Paris, you know. Oh, uh my sister and my dad, you know, and my brother. You know, it all kind of comes together and is sort of this... Uh, nucleus constantly shifting and moving in space you know as 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 life goes oh, yeah and, and i'm pretty sure it's going to be people that get added on to that and, oh, yes. and things like that so you know it's, so, so it's a lot of time and a lot of creative space for you to fill so you know i'm, I'm definitely interested to see who is a part of your team slash tribe or whatever word is is best suited yeah. for, for how you want to describe the people yeah. But speaking yeah, of which, sure. but, but speaking of which, I, I want to talk about Rec Philly. So Rec sure. Philly, I would definitely consider that to be one of, if not the best community or creative spaces in the city of Philadelphia, Absolutely. which you happen to be a part of. And me 
like I'm not technically a part of it, but I'm a part of it. Yeah. Oh, clearly, 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 absolutely. So, so I, I, I want you to let the people know like what Rec Philly is, and then after you do that, I'll ask you some more questions about Rec Philly and your part in Rec Philly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, Rec Philly is um, a place for artists to gather work um, and be uplifted, I would say, more than anything else. Like Rec Philly is a space. um, But what Rec Philly really is for me is the spirit of investment in artists in a way that centers blackness specifically that is, that is what i feel like i learned like at uh, my starting point um uh, starting point is kind of your introduction to rec philly and you're able to build some goals and you just get uplifted it is it is a very spiritual space i would believe i i do believe um and i and i see that spirit come through um specifically will toms who is who is the co-founder and kind of brings the vision of the space um and for me specifically in my experience scarlet 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 <laughs> shout out to scarlet scarlet scarlet, scarlet. girl shout out to scarlet um scarlet was the person who helped me understand that i could do this um i i had a lot of like not great experiences in first um moving back home and moving back to philly it had been a rough couple of months and i was just like i don't know what i'm doing i don't know what i'm doing i came here to do my art but like this society does not value that and i knew that and yet i am here and i don't know what i'm doing (laughs) all i knew and I accidentally found Rec. You know, I somebody was like, "Oh, you're an artist." You know, about I was like, "I don't know." And they said, "Here." And I was like, "Oh my god, thank right. goodness!" Because I didn't really know what I was gonna do. You know, and and so Rec is very much this uh, a, a space that is aligned in physicality, spirit, um, and and intentionality of being behind and for artists, and specifically intentionally creating spaces for them to develop themselves and also just having a place to go um you know you know to work and stuff so there's all kinds of studios of just every kind that you can think of that you have access to and then you just have access to the space there's a fridge there's uh there's you know there's comfy space there's nooks to work in you know there's there's just everything you know you could really really need as an artist yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I'm not like a, I'm not a technical member of Rec Philly, but I know a lot of people at Rec Philly, so yeah. I pop up from time to time and absolutely, at least got to, to to experience the, you know, the the environment a little bit, you know, the people, and just get to meet a bunch of dope people like I met you at at Rec yes. Philly. So you know, shouts out to them for that, you know. Absolutely. But, but you know, at least at least for me, I, I definitely see exactly what you're saying about how how much of a of, of a like a comfortable space it is it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a comfortable space that allows you to not only tap into your create like your creativity and your creative mind but it allows you to collaborate with a bunch of people who mm-hmm. also share that same gift and in whatever way that they express it but it's still you know the creative gift and i, I think that that part of it is like so fucking amazing because you know a, a lot of people don't necessarily have the 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 networking abilities or networking skills to just go out and talk to a, a random person on the street but 
you know, being that you have a space where everybody is kind of on the same mission to express mm-hmm. themselves wholeheartedly and create their, you know, create their art, whether that's music, podcast, uh, drawing, painting, whatever the case may be, it all speaks the same language that we all understand as creatives. Mm-hmm. So having that space is very, 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 very dope. Especially for people who don't know where Rickfield is or haven't experienced that, yeah. that's one of those things that I, I wish was everywhere, like Rick New York or Rick Connecticut. Or they Rick, gonna do it, well, whatever. Rick California, like yeah, they gonna they, do they, it. They need it for sure mm-hmm. because that's that's definitely one of the things that that I wish a lot of people had an, a, a chance to experience. Being that a lot of us are creatives in our own way, like we don't have the outlets or the means to express it the way we want to express it and rec philly is one of those things mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely i mean i can't tell you how many times as a, uh as specifically a writer coming up um and a teaching artist just trying to get jobs just trying to be like okay i know i can teach i know you know i know i have the ability to do this and do this well i just kind of need a shot like i just kind of need to be like how do you know the right people to be around like Mm -hmm. me personally i'm not the type of person to sort of just be going to random events and just like hoping that i run into the right person you know i get i get that um monica mcknight specifically said uh on on your last episode like there isn't a job that she hasn't gotten without networking you know and i and i am i I am here for it. I get the networking thing. I am down for it. I am down to like organically vibe with folks, you know, which is why I go to like every single rec event. Um, but like in terms of like outside of that, like as an introvert with anxiety, I'm just like, I what where? What and where and how and what is happening? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I do want to be intentional about the spaces that I'm in, especially because time is precious and yes. folks don't have enough time for rest already. You know what I mean? Um, and so it is this kind of thing of like, how do you know where to go and like where you're going to meet that person so that you can get that foot in the door and, you know, all of those kinds of things, um, you know, having rec as a container um and as a you know rec will like recommend events and like stuff like that and so it's like now mind you i ain't really going out like that because the the rona is not a joke she is back she is not gone but you know rec events is usually like less people everybody does wear masks like Mm -hmm. to your point it is kind of on the same page of like all right we're all here doing what we need to do you know and then they bring in folks they just bring folks to you you know and you can kind of take it from there meeting like virgil virgil gasson the same night i met you Mm -hmm. who's like an amazing dancer um who i realized teaches class in philly awesome so that's (laughs) like a touch point that i can have i can go take class from him now again i still know how i am about class but i desperate like as a dancer i'm like desperately have not been to class since like a smooth January, February, 2020, you know? So like having those, having just those little opportunities and being like, Oh, and you're just always meeting somebody. You're always meeting somebody, especially when you go to all of the events, when you do room to room, like when you go to, you know, the goal sessions, when you, you know, just give yourself those little moments to engage, like those can be, those can be the moments, but also just getting access to like, you know, I, I just recently got a job that like, um, you know, doing writing for this awesome website who wants to teach folks about Africa. Um, you know, beautiful opportunity that I got from the rec job board. You know what I'm saying? It's it's networking, but it's all in these different ways, and it doesn't put pressure on any one thing. Um, which is which is what helps me a lot. 
No, yeah, of course. Like, like I said, it it, it puts a bunch of people who are like minded in one space and say, "Hey, let's just let's just see what the hell happens." And again, and and again, it the one thing I find very interesting is that like a lot of creatives are not that like like extroverted. Like, no, No, a lot a lot of creatives are not extroverted at all. Mm -mm. We don't like talking to people. I don't know. It's interesting because, like, shit, I, I have a podcast, right? So right. I talk to people damn near all day, every day. But I like to think I'm, like, kind of sort of introverted. Just a little bit. I'm, like, 5149, like, introverted, right. extroverted. Like, yes. I, if, like, like when it comes to it, I can do it with the best of them. Right. But it's I prefer to just I prefer to just be on my, you know, on, on my like chill, listening to music or some shit like that. Exactly. Yeah. Especially because I really do always have my headphones in right. and I am just kind of always working. I'm just like, listen, I work a like nine to 10 hour day with transportation. Like, unless you got something for me, that's like, we're here unless we're vibing. It's like, I really only do have time. And and I think this is true of a lot of people. It's like, we working. You know what I'm saying? We have things to tell. We have things to take care of. But, like, you know, I myself am, am a single person without any kids or pets at this particular time. That is not true of most folks. You know what I'm saying? Um, one of uh, awesome person, shout out Jax, um, you know, awesome photographer who I met at Room to Room, you know, like, is out here definitely coming Absolutely. back and forth. I know from farther away, like, has all types of responsibilities, but is out here, you know, taking pictures and putting them up every day. You know, so we all have different responsibilities and different, you know, know things in our lives that we have to take care of and and you know i think i think that is the magic of wreck like there is a magic spell that happens in that place and you're just sort of able you just always run into somebody who's really amazing and whether it's a it's something for that moment or it's something you know that happens down the line like doing a podcast or getting a job like it just encourages you for me it's just like i'm always running into somebody every day that's like, hey, like, how are you? Like, it's so nice. People remember your name. Like, I can't tell you how many people remembered my name after meeting me, like, once. And I was like, how is that happening? Like, that, that type of stuff doesn't happen, like, for me personally. So just, like, this simple aspect of community of like people know who you are people see you people see you working you know you see people working that's its own magic um that i i just think it's, it's to your original point is unique to rec yeah i mean shit like even even just outside of rec philly like just being able to have people be around you that's working or or you know at least doing something productive or at least something that's in your your field or creative space, I think is extremely, extremely helpful because it feels like you're on the right path to achieve whatever goals or objectives you have set for yourself. Absolutely. I would would absolutely agree because that's what, you know, I figured out how to get up in the morning again and be like, okay, all right, okay, we're good. We can do this. You know what I'm saying? Like I would hear Scarlet in my head, like for, for the first, like, couple of weeks after my starting point i would hear scarlet in my head and i would just be like remember like remember this moment remember that this happened remember like what she said just get up every day and like feel your body and be like okay we can do this like no matter like nothing can come for you at that point you take it you take it out of 
connect with you immediately. Like, you know, I think I think one of the things that does join us all as people who come in and out of wreck is like we are just looking for something to sort of like hold on to to keep us going to that next moment, to keep us going, you know, to get to that next gig, to that to that job that will get us that stability or to that place where it's just like we can breathe because now we can make. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like that leaves with you because we're all open to that. And yeah. I think that's that's what makes the space what it is like never at rec have i felt like i you know it doesn't feel like other places it's not you know it's not like an open mic space or you know other arts places that i've been to it's 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 very safe and it's very it's very safe and it's so safe that you can push yourself to do anything like it's safe enough for you to be able to experiment with anything Mm -hmm. you know i've like walked around with my shoes off i've like taken naps i've like left stuff and like ran errands and all this like it's home like you know for me like just the little things of being like i am safe here like that's not always something that people get and just every time you run into somebody you know whether it's staff or just you know members or folks who are running around everybody's always like hi how are you like you know energy the vibes are always there you know the the vibration is always where it needs to be you know no matter what like if there is ever a moment where i'm just like i can't do this like i'll look at the wall or i'll you know look at you know i'll watch other people around or i'll see somebody i know and they'll smile at me and say Mm -hmm. hi or you know there's almost always somebody that that i know or that i've met there you know and you make the commitment you know anytime i meet somebody at rec new you know i'm always like yo it's all love never be a stranger like you can always say hi you know because i know i'm getting that feeling and and i want folks to get that back from me um because that's part like that's part of what happens you know that energy spins and spins and spins and that's part of what makes it makes it what it is very very true i i can support that 110 percent. like i I've, <laughs> I've experienced it and seen it with my own two eyes so <laughs> i i can definitely co-sign everything that you said for sure so i i want i want to ask you too like do you have any any like uh anything coming up that, that you're doing like any shows any projects that you're working on that's coming up very soon and if you do can you let us know we do, we do, we do. Um, so I have a couple of different projects that I am working on. So I do have a novel that is uh, happening at this particular time, um, a uh, sci-fi fantasy novel, first in a series, it's looking like, okay. um, uh, exploring um the sci-fi fantasy world from a... Um, from a perspective of a working class black trans millennial um, who is uh, living in the late stages of the climate crisis um, um, and connecting that, uh, you know, with the sci-fi space of, of the world of, of, of world of gods. Um, and so that is going to be coming out um, in late winter, early spring of uh, next year and then before that I have um, I call it my first chapter but it's really not because it's been uh, we've been working on this John since uh, a smooth 2015 um, and I I start I started I you know I put out the first version of it in 2016 um, and um, now it's in its what I would say it's final version. Um, um, so my, you know, foundational, I'll say 
poetry chapbook called Dirt, uh, which is a collection of poems um, that have followed me for the first decade of my career um, that um, just talk about, again, from a Black um, trans point of view, um, centering um, not so much centering non-maleness, but just centering non-binariness um, and the everyday life of healing through trauma and what that looks like on the page. Um, and it's a very interesting space because I combined it combined it with a visual art uh, sort of space. So there's like um, mind maps on the pages, um, you know, scans of journal entries and, um, you know, uh, photos of like, piles of clean dishes and you know just these all these different spaces of like everyday life um you know moving through the world um as a millennial black trans person um who's just like shedding trauma and what that looks like on the page um so that's gonna be um that's getting sent out to publishers like right now right now um so that is gonna be like early 2022 folks will be able to uh buy that um And then this fall, um, you know, in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be dropping um, uh, uh, accessories from my fiber collection, from my embroidery collection um, uh, in the next couple of weeks. So like mid-September, early October at the latest. Um, And you can find out about all the stuff on the social meds, um, mainly on Instagram at LU underscore LV. E, uh, so Lou Love, if you will, um, <laughs> and yeah, right, right now I'm very, I'm very much in the space of like publishing, like putting stuff out, putting stuff out, yeah, putting sure. stuff out, um, and so like things are very much in the in the works right now, and I um, chronicle my journey with the work um, on Instagram specifically um, on a pretty much daily basis. So right now I've been putting out a lot of uh, freestyle dance pieces um, and putting out uh, recordings of my practices with reflections um, on my Instagram reels. Um, and there's a specific series that I do that with. So that is, um, you know, a uh, f- five to six days a week um i'm putting that out um you know sort of chronicling the writing process um just in pictures you know as i reach different milestones so i like got the story circle um written out um shout out to dan Harmon um for the story circle brick and morty um you know so when i got that done i sort of you know talked about that process and now i'm kind of finishing fleshing out the characters um and so i'll be talking about that process soon um, in the next couple of days on Instagram. And then it's just going to be like my favorite part, which is just like writing all of the time. Um, so I'm definitely going to be engaging in uh, NaNoWriMo, which for those who don't know is National Novel Writing Month, which is where um, I'm just going to kind of like go ahead and see how much we can get out. Um, and then, yeah, just chronicling all of that sort of in a public mm-hmm. quote unquote space is very important to me. Uh, just because I don't think we see the rawness of that as much, you know, I very much come from a place of like a reforming perfectionist. Um, so I have taken it upon myself as I create these new pieces that are just like, the goal is to publish, you know, when right. you go to rooms, room at rec, they talk about, uh, I think it was like 
the guy who created Patreon, they show this video where he was like, I was creating stuff, but I wasn't publishing things, you know? And I do think there's a balance between that. But I think for me, the era right now is very much like, oh, we can do this. We can just get stuff out. So there's a lot of things that are being worked on. Also working on a couple of EPs um, as well um, and just making music, Um, you know, but um, definitely excited for the books that are coming out starting early next year um, and really excited to like get into the holiday season and all that stuff with um the fiber arts work um so keep posted um on instagram i post everything on there um especially on my story so you can keep posted there um and keep up with uh, what's going on and um you know as things are coming out there will be very very big announcements so you'll definitely know um and i'm just excited to just show the latest version of myself of myself as an artist it's it's a really dope time yeah, it is definitely, definitely a dope time for us creators. We ain't got shit else to do but to create right now. You know what I'm saying? Because they are going to lock it down now. They're going to lock this joint right back down. Like, yeah, they, and it's going to... They fucking it, need to. Yeah. They definitely need to. It's, not a game. Not a yeah, game. Like like you said, Miss Ms. Rona ain't no joke. She's no joke. She's not playing, and nor is Mother Nature. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, nobody Mother is Nature playing. been on a tear. Listen, nobody, nobody is playing any games with us okay we need to get it together <laughs> all right so so i got one more thing for you but before we get to that like I, I know you dropped your instagram but i don't know if you got the social medias but if you do drop your, all your social media so people know where to find you and to stay tuned for what you got coming up yeah absolutely so uh the lulove ig is uh mainly for things are at i am on uh linkedin um lou l-u uh backslash ed like ed's ice cream i know we got that out east so y'all know what that means um and um website is brewing but um you can also find me um on tumblr at lu dash lve um and i'll write i'll put all this in the chat for you so that you know uh it can be written down etc what have you um but that that's mainly where i'm at um and yeah was that was that everything i feel like i might have forgotten the whole <laughs> But that's, that's where I am on the internet, and that's where you can find me. <laughs> all right, so so this is the last last thing, and I'm gonna let you go. All right, so I want you, if you if you want to, drop three gems for the people to take away from this conversation that they can apply to their everyday life. Yes, I'm so happy you asked that because I prepared for that question. Oh, all right. <laughs> um, so, so I, 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 I mean, based on the conversation, I, I would, I would, I maybe, or, or just in general, it, does, it doesn't have to be specific general. to the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, something I'm still learning. Number one, um, rest twice as much as you think you should or you think you need to. Period. Just, just period. Um. When you have no doors open to you, give yourself the time and space to build one and then bring folks by the hand with you. That's the main goal that I have as a person. And then just as a general note, I know I brought up some different names of folks um, and talked a little bit about, about activism, police brutality. I, third, just very much being some folks that we need to continue to lift up. Breonna Taylor, Marsha yes. P. Johnson, Breonna Taylor, Marsha P. Johnson, uh, Pooh Johnson, Sandra Bland, Brayla Stone, Cece McDonald, Miss Coco, Tierra Marie Lewis, every black trans woman, every black woman, every black trans woman, period, Elijah McClain, um, and every name that we know and that we have had the burden to remember as black people. Yes. Um, keep 
keep saying them and and we we need to as a collective go back to that first one um and give ourselves the chance to rest because remembering the names in and of, them, of themselves is, is 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 its own um work um so always gotta say that at the end as my last bit absolutely i appreciate that listen i want to thank you so 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 much for coming on today and talking with me and just sharing so so many different gems like even outside of those three like it was so many <laughs> gems sprinkled in with, with that conversation so i truly truly want to say thank you for that and thank you for having this conversation with me i truly appreciate it oh thank you so much it was it's really nice i don't always get a chance to to talk about to talk about the work and and as i talk about it i i learn so much about myself and 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 about everything so i'm all i'm all about reflection so these kinds of things are great for me so thank you so much for having me it was, it was oh, of course the, the, this is what the platform is for to allow people to express their opinions express what they do who they are what they're about and have the world hear it absolutely so, absolutely we need so it thank Appreciate you it. thank you and i, I want to say thank you to the hot podcast listeners and supporters for supporting us every week we appreciate y'all and lou thank you thank you thank you again for and when whenever you drop though like all your projects come on back so we can talk about it all right absolutely i would love to can't wait all right well you enjoy the rest of your day and we'll talk with you soon all right all right sounds good all right Hey everybody, this is Jetpack Nick, and you just listened to another episode of the Hollow Talk Podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, topic ideas, or you yourself would like to come on as a guest on the Hollow Talk Podcast, you can reach us at our email, thehollowtalkpodcast at gmail.com, and across all social media platforms at the Hollow Talk Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and remember, no talk is too shallow over here at the Hollow. <laughs>